and welcome to this episode of the Freedom Series podcast live stream. Uh, today, I'm grateful and blessed to have Ray Blakeney join me all the way from the other side of the world. Ray, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Barry. Here in Mexico, everything's pretty good. Yeah, outstanding. Mate, you're a serial entrepreneur, and uh, what I like about you, a few things, is A, you're not someone that's out there necessarily with a huge social network or, or uh, following per se, but you're creating a hell of a ripple in the background with several different businesses and are about to launch a, a new one coming up, which I want to speak about a little bit later because I think that's absolutely fantastic. Where did this all start for you? So it goes all the back, way back to my childhood. I'm going to sound a little like those, you know, the psychologist where you're sitting there like, tell me about your childhood. So it goes all the way back when I was a little kid. We used to do in the US and in Turkey where I grew up, we used to do something called bake sales, right? So your parents would buy cakes and little stuff. I'm not sure if they do it over in Australia and you would sell it at lunch. So you'd make money for a field trip for the school. At those bake sales, I'd be the kid who would sell the most by far. I mean, I would, people in my class would give me their cakes and their baked goods to sell for them, right? So while that was happening, everybody would come up to me is like, Ray, one day you can own a business. I didn't believe them. It wasn't even like, it didn't even register on my radar. I also liked computers. So I eventually became a computer program, went to college, worked in Silicon Valley, you know, started doing computers. It wasn't until my late 20s where kind of in the back of my head, it was always there, right? Saying, you know, you should try something. You should try something. Um, at that time, I met my wife and the spark went off. My wife was a teacher. I'm like, let's do a business. Let's start a school. And that's what got me into entrepreneurship. And I've loved it ever since. It's been about 14 years since I've started. Um, started brick and mortar, moved online, and I've started, I've never counted, multiple businesses. A lot of them failed, but at least four or five of them have worked for me. Outstanding. And look, uh, welcome if you're joining us live on many of the platforms that are even watching the replay. Uh, I highly recommend, make sure you t tap the love or the like button, let us know that you're there. And throughout this, my team is monitoring all the chats across different platforms. So please feel free to put in any questions, any comments you've got, and uh, I'll make sure they get back to myself and Ray here as well. So Ray, what was the, the one of the first businesses, teaching businesses, is that the one that you still have now, Live Lingo, or has it, has it kind of emerged and uh, grown into something else? Yeah, actually, Live Lingo was started because of that business, but we sold it off. Essentially, they were part of the same thing, but Live Lingo became much more successful financially and took a lot less time than the, the first business. The first business we launched back in the day was a brick and mortar business because even though I'm a computer engineer, it didn't even occur to me to launch an online business. We did a brick and mortar business. So we, we started a Spanish school in Mexico. We rented out a building. So we had overhead costs. We hired teachers. You know, my wife was the first teacher. I was the administrator. And we would take foreigners would come to Mexico. We'd put them with Mexican families. They'd study Spanish with us during the day and they'd live with the Mexican families at night. We would do tours, you know, take them out to have tacos, all the rest of it. It was a ton of work. In the summers, I'd work 90 days without a single day off. That was our first business. Our online Skype lessons came out of that because of the Mexican swine flu. Swine so flu. suddenly everybody stopped coming. Yeah, so everybody stopped coming to our school and we needed to make money. So let's, let's offer classes via Skype. This is back in 2008, nobody was doing it. We first reached out to our old students who had studied with us just to say, hey, you guys just want to keep taking classes back in the US, Australia, Europe. And then I threw up our, this really awful website. I mean, it was an ugly looking thing. And I just threw it up there. It was called Spanish-Lessons-Online.com or something like that. And I'm like, if we got one or two students, that's great. To our surprise, six months down the road, we were getting more Spanish. We had more Spanish students from that website than we actually had coming to our school, even though our school was fully booked again and all the rest of it. Um, that's when LiveLingual was born. We didn't call it then, back in the day. 
but it took us about two years to decide to sell our school. Eventually, we had three different branches of the school around Mexico. We sold it, and then we dedicated ourselves 100% to this online business, which became which Livemaker. Is, which is still very much the vehicle that's providing you the, the lifestyle you're living now, right? You, you obviously ha have other ventures and have had other ventures, but that's still very consistent uh, in terms of cash flow. It's what gives us the freedom to do these other ventures. Livelink has gotten to the point where, in theory, I could work about an hour a day to yeah. run it. My job is actually to promote and grow Livelink, but it's not to run Livelink, right? Because I enjoy that part. So I haven't hired anybody to do additional marketing and all the rest of it. That's the part I enjoy. But the day-to-day -day operations, my wife and I, before we had our uh, child a few months ago, we, we would travel three months out of the year. I checked yeah. emails in the morning, but people would take care of it. So LiveLingua does that. And it, it reached seven figures around three or four years ago yeah. um, and has been consistently up there ever since. Outstanding. I, I, I want to come back to that in a second, the, the, the thing you mentioned there about freedom. Uh, before I do, though, what I, what I love about that and why I guess this is super relevant right now is that, you know, for many people, we're coming at the backside of this COVID-19 pandemic. Now, you guys had a Spanish school, physical locations, uh, because of the Mexican swine flu, you, you know, people weren't coming anymore. There wasn't necessarily the, the, the restrictions back then that there has been placed upon us now, but people weren't coming because of the, the Mexican swine flu. And you guys took it online, which, as you mentioned, wasn't your first point of call, even though you had that programming background, right? You then took it online. Now this business is continuing still today, hit seven figures a few years ago. It could require less than an hour of your time a day all from that innovation back then when possibly many, many people shut down, many businesses shut down. And we've had a few conversations. It wasn't sort of what this series is about at all is, is, is COVID-19, but it is still relevant for many people and many people have lost their businesses. Many people are still struggling from the effects of that as well. Do you believe that, that regardless of what business you are in and regardless of environmental factors, you still have the opportunity to succeed? A hundred percent. Even in the worst of days, there's opportunity, right? I mean, the number of people who became wealthy during wars, for example, um, even without going down the, you know, the, the dark path of selling weapons, there are opportunities there. Even if you serve people, if you can help people, you know, during a war, if you can find a way to feed all the refugees, you'll probably end up wealthy at the end of it. I mean, if you know, if you could, you make a dollar and you help a million people, you know, you can, you can have the lifestyle you're looking for. So the, there are opportunities in all these downsides. For example, an example that I'm building right now, I bought a website called howmuchtoiletpaper.com about three weeks ago. Um, you know, it was this kid in the UK who made a calculator on how to calculate how much toilet paper you needed. And it went viral. I mean, it had like 15 million visitors the wow. first month it was there. And but the kid didn't know what to do with it. So I, I knew the kids. So I reached out to him. I was like, look, if you're not doing anything with that, I'll pay you, you know, an amount for it. And how about you pass it on to me? And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll build a business. He was just graduating from college. He wanted to, you know, help pay off his college loans. He got a job at a big, one of the biggest companies in the world already. He didn't look, he wasn't looking to start a business, but that opportunity came up. That's not rare. There are other opportunities yeah. out there um, that you can take advantage of in times like this. So look for those. Keep an eye open. Yeah, it rem reminds me of a conversation I had with one of my sons the other day. They're learning about the Eureka Stockade uh, here in Australia, the, the gold mining uh, boom or attempted boom, and uh, how in actual fact, 
back then, many people made their money or the people that made the most money were the people selling the shovels, not so much the people that were panning, panning for gold. And yeah, I think this is why like, I just constantly preach so much the importance of like mindset and also being connected with our heart and our intuition, because I think that's where the real opportunity is. The opportunity is not outside of us. The opportunity first exists within inside of us and our ability to kind of filter and see something that others can't see. That's exactly, look for, up. I love the way you're talking about it because the problem with pandemics or any kind of crisis in the world is that people kind of pull away and they yeah. kind of look internal and they're scared. So when you're scared, you're not looking for opportunities that are around you. Um, opportunities for business, opportunities for life. I mean, you're just not looking for it. If you can make that mind shift and switch from the mind shift, the fear of like, let me not do anything because everything's going wrong and I'm scared to, hey, things are bad, but there are things out there that are good. Let me look for them. Let me you know, interact with them something good can come of that um, at any time of your life. And then that's a great lesson to have even when things are going well, keep, keep it up. I mean, you know, do it whether things are going well or things are going badly. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we went through a period of time where I noticed that um, bringing on board new clients become more challenging than normal. Conversion rates started to change. Our marketing was working better than ever. Like we were getting leads for, you know, 30, 30, 30 to 70% less on some campaigns than what they usually were. They were flooding in. But yet when it came to asking for the sale, people were like, oh, we're uncertainty. We don't know what to, what to go through. And, you know, the conversation was like, like, do you think that you're better with us or better without us? And it's like, well, probably better with us, but you guys don't know either. And it's like, we're not sitting here preaching or claiming that we know what's in the side. But what we do know is we can help you grow in any environment. And, and we proved that in the businesses that we're involved in, the businesses that let us do it. And, and you're a perfect example of that as well. You know, going through that and choosing to just go with the flow of what, what was available and the opportunity was there has seen now, like some years later, your life still being impacted by how you showed up back then in a, in a positive way. Agreed. I mean, for, you know, if all goes well, five years down the road, I'll have the number one toilet paper site in the United States because of the opportunities that came up from this. Um, you never know. And so take these opportunities. I, I know a lot of the the big entrepreneurs out there says, right, you know, you're successful. They say, you know, you're successful when you say no to everything, right? I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I've heard that, you know, Warren Buffett says that might be true at Warren Buffett level, but at least at my level, what I found is that I become more successful when I say yes. Not that I say yes to everything, but you know, I say yes to a lot of things. Um, not all of it works, but at least I learn something new. I might make a new relationship. Just say yes, be open to saying yes to new opportunities as they come along instead of saying no to everything. Yeah, and I, I think what you shared too, there is, there is such a fine line there too, because let's be honest, like you would have met as well, like I meet so many entrepreneurs, it's like, oh, what do you do? And they're like, I've got five businesses. And straight away, you're like, okay, well, how successful are you? You know, like, <laughs> like because they're having to spread their time. Now, this is where um, Brad Sugars talks about in his book, uh, Billionaire in Training around getting one business to a level where that business is consistent, there's good cash flow, it doesn't rely on you, and then using that as a foundation to divest or to, to, to invest into other ventures and avenues because you've gone through the discipline and the consistency required to get a business to that stage where it can work uh, simultaneously or, or with, without you being involved in it, mm. right? But I think at the beginning though, entrepreneurs, in the beginning of their journey, they need to say no to a lot of things and, and double down on one thing until that one thing is successful and then open themselves back up to seeing what else I can play with. Would you, would you 
agree with that? I would, I would agree with that. But the caveat is, you know, when you're building, stick with one business, don't say yes to multiple businesses, but within that business, for example, say yes to all the opportunities that come up in that business, right? Because you never know what that's going to open up. I totally agree with you when I hear somebody who's running multiple businesses, and there are people who are doing it. And even with me, I built Live Lingua, and then I was able to build other successful businesses. All the new businesses I've built, all the businesses I've built, because Live Lingua, my partner was my wife, I build with partners now. Because yeah. I know I don't have the bandwidth to do what I did in the beginning. You know, that whole hustle entrepreneurship, which all of us have to do in the beginning, because we're the only people there. So we're working. Don't want to go hours. Back. I don't know, Eva. I don't want to go back there. I did it once. I don't want to go back to it either. I, I, you know, and I, we don't need Sorry. to go back to it, which is kind of a problem, too. Because, yeah, I could do that. But... I don't want to do that. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't really need to, right? I mean, we're not, you get to a point, luckily, where you're not really doing it to pay your rent anymore, right? So that fire is kind of gone. So if you're not doing it to pay your rent, you don't need to. Do you really need to be answering 200 emails a day? Probably yeah, not. So, you know, you look for other ways. You look for partners, maybe somebody else who has that fire. Yeah. They can kind of take your knowledge, your experience, and implement it and add their own experience to it. That's usually what I look for when I'm working, building new businesses now. I have partners in all the new businesses I'm building. Um, I don't do any of them alone. I love that. I love that. And look, welcome if you're joining us live. Uh, please feel free to put your comments and your questions below. There's a couple here I'll get to in just a second. Before I do, um, yeah, it's like the second business we built, the business that the built, we built after the Game Changers was just that. I'm like, you know what? Like, it's taken me so many years to get here. Like, I'm worn out. I'm done with that whole startup phase, that hustle and the grind phase. Um, I'm going to invest money and resources into building this business without me being involved in it. You know, sit in that place of, of high level strategy and innovation and direction but not be involved at all day to day. And it's a lot more enjoyable as well than having to go back to that stage of grinding. Now, now if you like grinding, like by all means go and do it. But for me, it's like, I've been there, done that. Um, I'd, I'd rather be a bit smarter with how I invest my money, my time now. Agreed, agreed. Like, like you said, I have a five month old, I guess he's going on six month old right now, um, son. And I'm not looking to work 80 hours a day, not on the weekends. I don't work on the weekends. I'm religious about that. That yeah. time's for my son. Um, I work 50 hours a week, but I love what I do. So it's a little different, but I work from eight to six every day. Yeah. Before that, don't contact me after six o'clock. Don't contact me unless like a server exploded. Um, because literally those are time, that's time for my family and that's what I'm working for. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Let's go to question. Dave from Melbourne. Uh, coding work is really important for the, for the geek, uh, for the big economy right now. Uh, but could you tell us some examples of some online work that became successful, even if there was low or almost no coding involved? So he wants to, you want, he wants to find a job online that doesn't uh, involve tell coding? Us examples of some online work that became successful, even if there was no, uh, was low or almost no coding involved. I don't know, like you've got platforms like ClickFunnels these days that require no coding. Well, that's exactly, there's a lot of things you could do online. For example, WordPress. If you want to put up a w website, all you need to know is take a 45 minute tutorial, you know, on WordPress and install it. Most servers, when you pay for them, go on Bluehost, go on SiteGround. WordPress gets installed with a few clicks. You go to a, a successful Australian company, like you know, themeforest.com, and you buy a theme for $40, and you throw that up on there. It's just a few clicks. You have the website up, and you're done. You don't need coding in order to do that. That's if you want to launch your own business. Like you said, there's ClickFunnels out there. You want to sell courses. I'm actually giving a talk tomorrow at a Mexican university in five, five, five businesses you can start online without actually using any money. You can start a drop shipping store. Take a course on Udemy for $10, 
start drop surfing. Amazon FBA, you need no coding at all. If you want to start your own Amazon FBA, you do need a little bit of resources to kind of get the first hundred of your products into Amazon, but you need no coding. If you want to, if he means on the other side, which is the jobs, there's tons of jobs online that don't require coding as well. Learn online marketing, uh, you know, specialize, don't do everything. Because anybody who comes to me and tells me, I know search engine optimization, Facebook ads, Google and Quora. I'm like, yeah, no, you don't <laughs> really every single one of those is a full-time job and there's no way, you know, all of them, but specialize in, you know, learn Google AdWords real well, learn search engine optimization real well. Those are online jobs that are very much in demand. Um, I know that, I mean, I have friends who are business owners that just can't find people to do it because all the good ones, all the good Facebook ad managers are fully booked. I mean, they have more clients than they know what to do with. The caveat here is be good at it. I mean, you know, don't just take a 30 minute course and start offering your services because you're not gonna keep clients and you're gonna yeah. have a really bad reputation. But yeah, there's plenty of work out there. Niche specific, I love that. I wanna circle back. So you mentioned before, Live Lingo, um, you know, seven figure company, still growing and you could run it for less than an hour a day. Let's talk about the journey to get it there because this is kind of, I guess, the, the dream for many entrepreneurs is to be in a position where their business can run without them and not because they don't enjoy what they're doing. But as I'm sure you'll agree, it's like to have your first business to a stage where it doesn't require you, like it opens up so many opportunities. And often when we're in that business and we haven't yet got there, we can't see what's past that. It's like, oh, but I enjoy serving my clients or but I enjoy you know, fulfilling these orders, whatever the case may be. But then to get to that level where it's like, I don't need to be there anymore. I don't know, I don't know about you, but for me, it was like the matrix. My whole world opened up and opportunities started coming in that were at a different level, a different game, and were far more fulfilling, which also meant that I could serve a hell of a lot more people than I was pro yeah, previously serving just with that business as it was. And that business itself grew because I had more time to think outside the box. So it, uh, yes, the biggest sorry. obstacle to do that is your ego because every entrepreneur gets to this point where the, let's say the business is successful. You're making, you know, sell a hundred thousand, you're selling a hundred thousand dollars a year of something, right? That's by most measures, that's a very successful business. Uh, you might not be a millionaire, but most people don't even get to that level. You get to a point, And I know I was there. Even if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you have this belief that nobody can do X as well as me. Nobody can answer these emails as well as me. Nobody can serve the clients as well as me. Nobody can pack these boxes and drive to the post office as well as me. Whatever, I don't, whatever your business model is, right? You live in this myth and you build your own persona around this, right? You tell your friends, like, I do all this stuff and that becomes who you are. But that also, you know, and that's what got you to where you were, that hustle, I'm doing everything and I do it well. It takes a lot to break down that ego and say, wait a minute. There are, I don't remember, 8 billion people on this planet. I'm probably not the best out of all 8 billion people on this planet at answering emails. There's probably at least one person out there who's probably better at this than I am. But you have to give up a little bit of yourself in order to accept that, mm. right? You have to go out there and say, okay, you have to admit there's somebody better than me. Nobody likes to admit that. And then you go and hire somebody and they're better than you. I'm like, okay, that's not so bad. Giving up the second part's usually a little bit easier, right? So the second thing, let's say, you know, nobody codes as well as me. You hire a programmer like, huh, that guy does code better than me. And then it slowly, it, it's a transition. I, at least for me, it was. It wasn't like one day I did it and suddenly, woohoo, I'm free and I feel okay about it. My, you know, my own personality of who I was, I had to give it up and build somebody else. You know, and I'm not the person who does everything anymore. I'm yeah. the person who, you know, has the vision, 
make sure everybody's kind of moving in the, I'm the captain of the ship. I'm not the mechanic of the ship anymore. And me as a trained engineer, I kind of, it was a big struggle because I liked being the mechanic of the ship. And, you know, I also now like being the captain, but it took me a while to get used to that. What was, what was the role that you got stuck in delegating? Answering emails. I was the secretary. I remember I would spend eight to 10 hours a day answering emails. Yeah. What was the, what was the last role you got stuck in then? The, the most, well, I can arguably, I probably still get stuck in those. Pro a programmer. I still do a lot, probably a lot more of the IT stuff than I should. Um, I enjoy it. I still need to be hands-on with the programmers. I, we have three programmers um, on staff. But most of my C-level, the people who are like managers, they're not IT. So, you know, I, they can have a vision. But kind of translating that into tech talk is sometimes a little bit of work. Um, and my ro last role before I became an entrepreneur in the U.S. was a team lead for a, a, an IT team, a programming team. And my job as team lead really was, I was the translator. I would go and meet with the internal clients in the company, you know, who weren't programmers. They'd say what they needed, I would translate it into tech talk. And then I'd go back to my programmers and say, do this, then, you know, liaison between the two. So yeah. I still am doing a little bit of that. I need to pull out because it does take more time than it should. Um, yeah. But I kind of enjoy it too. So it, it, it's a little hard. I, I, I'll never forget, like one of my first businesses was a kitchen and bathroom renovation company. And we used to have like a fully driven computerized CRC machine that would cut all the timber to the designs on the computer um, and just knock kitchens out like they're going out of fashion. And I had, I, I had managed to delegate everything except taking the finalized signed drawings from the clients and making sure the dimensions were right before you press send to the machine. Now, the funny thing was at the time, I, I, I believed that no, I couldn't find anyone to do it for me. Yet at the same time, I also knew that my local competitors, the business owner was not doing that role. The business owner in some of them wasn't even there. And so it was this weird duality where it's like, I know that other people have got them, but I can't do that for me. And I see, see that same patterning a lot in entrepreneurs where they get stuck in their own way. And it's something that I talk about heavily, like in chapter 13 of my book, because, you know, I don't know about you, but I believe that the actual infrastructure to put in place to build a business that can work without you profitably um, it's actually not that hard. Like it's not that hard to put in place systems and processes and learn how to hire the right people and train them and lead them and all that sort of stuff. Like it might be if you're just starting out, but after you've been in business for a little while, it's, it's not too hard. The steps are relatively easily. The hardest part I think is that shift that we have to make psychologically through those stages of business. Like you talked about before, you know, if you're grinding at hundred thousand dollars a year, um, that kind of works for that level, but that mentality will actually sabotage you from getting to, $10 million, like that grind that you need to get you to a million dollars is great. But that same attitude, mentality, behaviors, beliefs, it will do the opposite and will prevent you from getting to, to 10 million. And so that's what I've really kind of addressed throughout each chapter is it's like, here's the steps. Here's a psychological shift that you need to make going through this so that when you get to chapter 14, you can step back and not sabotage, not be stuck in a role of, of, of you know, designing the computer, the, the kitchens on the computer or answering emails and so forth, because you've made the shifts internally to be able to step back and know the team's got that and prepare for what's next on your journey as an entrepreneur. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's a transformation. You know, getting to the, a successful business, I, you know, if you, I, you see all those courses online of people saying, hey, build your successful million, million dollar business in six months. I would have no idea how to do that. I joke that if I ever write a book, it's going to be how to build a million dollar business in a decade and nobody's going to buy it because nobody wants to hear that, right? It's a process. It's not just, 
you know, we like, we all want to be that unicorn or win the lottery. And for most business owners, it takes years of work to get there. Years of work, not only on the business, but also on yourself, um, you know, to prepare yourself to be that business owner that you want to be. Most of us aren't there when we start. I thought I knew everything when I launched my first business about business because the first one I launched was successful. Now, the more businesses I've launched, the more I know I don't know. I mean, I actually feel much more ignorant now than I did 14 years ago because I had no idea of the stuff I had, you know, I thought this is easy. No, now there's so many things that are out there that I have no idea about. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. We had a conversation about this yesterday with a guest, Paul Dunn, um, about a similar kind of thing. And it's interesting because I guess the natural state of being for the, let's just say the typical entrepreneur, like I know it's a generalization, but their, their, their natural state is not like long-term, long-term consistent action, right? That's not what gets them into being an entrepreneur in the first place. So it's almost contradictory of the attitude that we have or the mentality we have to jump in and be an entrepreneur and to start our own business. And then the flip that we must have to actually make in order to get to the level of success we're running you know, a million dollar, a multi-million dollar company that can work whether we're there or not. So it's this just interesting, it's this interesting lure that I think we all fall for when we go into to becoming an entrepreneur and then fastly realize, oh, hang on, like I've, I've actually got to change and transform if I want to actualize my dreams and where I want to go. That's it. And I mean, that's just the story for life, right? I mean, most people, unless you're just stuck in the same place your entire life, I mean, if you want to reach your goals, you have to change and transform in order to do them. I mean, you know, unless you're super lucky, I guess, but I mean, most of us have to evolve and grow as people in order to go where we're, you know, go where we want to get, get to. Yeah. 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 Spoke Spanish too much today. My, my mom flipping like words around in the middle or something. But, yeah. <laughs> I'm learning, I'm learning uh, Indonesian at the moment through a, an app, which is pretty cool. But uh, the hardest part is that often the sentences are back to front. That's it. And Spanish, they do that as well. They, in some of them, they flip the words around. And when I speak more Spanish than English in a day, I'm, sitting back and like, what, what was I trying to say there? I, I translated from Spanish things in my head is weird. Yeah. Uh, we had a question here from Scott from Sydney. Uh, thanks very much for joining us here live. Uh, hit the like button. Let us know that you're hanging about and that uh, you got some value and equally to put your questions and comments below. We'd love to get them answered for you. So Scott from Sydney, I assume that Ray knows the internet pre.com boom in 2000s. Uh, could he share the one or two things? How old do you think they are? <laughs> I was about to say, I'm like, you're dating me, but then he's right. So I feel bad at the same time. So yeah. <laughs> uh, could he share one or two things he predicts will be the, the next big thing like crypto, mobile, mobile banking? Like, what do you see for the future? Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell this little story first of my experience with the internet bubble and all the rest of it. I actually was a programmer in Silicon Valley when that happened. Um, I'm not that old. I had dropped out of college and moved over to Silicon Valley to try to strike it rich back in 1999. Um, I think it was 18, 19, 19 years old. Um, you know, got a job at an internet startup where they paid me peanuts, but I got stock options, right? So that meant when they sold for billions of dollars, I was going to be rich. Um, I think I was employee number 12 or something like that. Uh, we were competing with PayPal at the time. We, I was employee number 12. We went up to employee number 50, showed up on CNN as an up and coming business. And three months later, they ran out of money and I went back and finished college. Um, so yes, I did definitely experience the tech bubble and the burst because the tech bubble 
the tech burst is the reason why I, I wasn't retired at 20 years old. Um, you know, that didn't quite work out for me. As far as, I know, I know. I was like, come on, two more years. And I, hopefully, this, you know, we would have gone public and I would have been rich. But no, unfortunately, that didn't work out for me. Um, predicting the future. I'm actually going to cop out and say, I'm not really good at predicting the future. All of my businesses, see, there's, I find that there are two types of entrepreneurs. There's that visionary change the world kind of entrepreneur. We're thinking Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, inventing things that don't exist yet, right? Um, that's one kind of entrepreneur. They're the ones who see the future and they grab it. And, you know, they're the ones who we write about in the history books. Unfortunately, that's not me. Um, I'm the kind of entrepreneur who sees a need and I fill it, um, which is a very different kind of entrepreneurship, right? It's the one that's, you need somebody to fix your roof and nobody's fixing your roof. You, you look around your town and nobody's fixing roofs or nobody's doing a good job at it. Then, so you build a roof fixing business. Um, that's how all of my businesses have started. I mean, you know, I see a need, nobody's doing it. Um, one of the businesses we're going to talk about, which is like a, to help get people get on podcasts. I tried to do that and there's nothing. So I'm like, well, I could just throw my hands up in the air and say, well, that doesn't exist. Or I'm like, well, I just build it. <laughs> you know, if I need it, somebody else probably does. Worst case scenario, I'm going to be using it because I need it. Um, so unfortunately, predicting the future, I have no idea. Um, you know, I don't know what I'm going to eat for breakfast tomorrow, let alone, you know, uh, where the world is going to go. One one movement I could help this help out with, um, if they're looking to start businesses, at least this goes back to my need more than my vision is creating websites, business, online businesses, specifically for the developing world, not the third world, but kind of the, the countries that are like maybe in the bottom half of the G20, um, G30 kind of thing. I see a lot of opportunities. I live in Latin America. Um, specifically Latin America, I see a ton of opportunities. I see them, they're about 10 or 15 years behind technologically, um, you know, Australia, United States, and the rest of it. But that means anything that worked 15 years ago in the United States, just build it and put, do it in Spanish and sell it in Mexico, sell it in Colombia, sell it, you know, in the rest of the world. So, you know, something that's popular in Australia, just do some, a little bit of culture shift and sell it there. And there are a million dollar opportunities here. Credit cards are becoming more prevalent. People are getting much more comfortable buying online. In fact, we were talking about opportunities here in the COVID era. That's one of them. Mm. There was a little resistance in Latin America initially to buy stuff online because they weren't confident that they'd get things. That's gone. Disappeared. Because overnight, they needed to buy stuff online. And then suddenly, wait, it arrived. You know, everybody uses we Corner Shops, our app for going to the grocery store, right? So I we go get stuff from Costco. We just get in the app. People are so comfortable with it now. We're at the beginning. They have credit cards. They have access. The economy before this was growing, and I will do so again once we recover. Build something for Latin America or the developing world. There are other parts of the world too, Southeast Asia. There's a lot of places that you can do very well, like you know Thailand, Vietnam. Um, if you can speak the language, you can do very well in those parts of the world too. Because these are people who have extra, who have disposable income suddenly, and people aren't meeting certain needs because they're just so new. Nobody's bothered to go into Indonesia and build, uh, you know, something on eBay or whatever it is um, in that country. So. If you want some ideas of where to go, go in that direction. Indonesia definitely needs an improvement. I can tell you, they've got a thing over there yeah. called Tokopedia, and it is the worst platform. If you haven't got if you haven't got an Indonesian bank account, you have to go to the local Seven Eleven and pay the money over the counter for your for your online order, which is just mitigates. Yeah. Like, why why would you buy online if you're going to go to shop anyway? Um, but this is what it's I love a about huge travel. opportunity right there, right? I mean, huge. 
This is what I love about travel is that it opens you up to, to ideas that are proven and working, but also shows you where there's a gap in the market, um, which is fantastic. I, I think more entrepreneurs need to hear that message you just shared there, Ray. Like, I love the way that you've, you've defined those two entrepreneurs, you know, ones that are visionary that go and create something that's not there, you know, can, can see the car when we're, when we're riding around on horses, can see the, the hyperlink when, we, when we're taking trains to, to, to work. But then there's the other entrepreneur that's like, oh, there's plenty of problems here in the world that people just aren't aware of or can't be bothered fixing. Let's just go and fill that need, both for myself first, and then naturally there's other people like me that need the same thing too. Um, if this resonates with you, hit the like button, start a watch party too. Like I think more people need to kind of, more entrepreneurs need to understand they don't have to be some great visionary that has all these ideas of a better future. Like they can just look for, for problems in the current environment and create a fix. Yeah, ask what you want to ask yourself too. And I didn't do this at the beginning, what you want out of life, because, you know, if you want to build the next Facebook, the next Google, you're going to have to make a lot of sacrifices. I mean, I'll tell you, you know, these people are, you do not build that by traveling the world and spending time with your family. I mean, they're, you know, you're not going to do it, but can you build a million, $2 million, $3 million company while doing that while spending time with your kids? Um, traveling the world you absolutely can yeah. and do you need more than that i mean if you know if you made took home a hundred thousand two hundred thousand three hundred thousand dollars a year would you really be that much more happier if you made five hundred thousand six hundred seven hundred thousand dollars a year probably not you know i'd rather make three hundred thousand and spend all day with my my family than make five hundred thousand and be working 70 hours a week so you have to ask yourself what it is you want out of life um, and then build a business that kind of gets you to that goal. Don't just shoot for the Google just because you think that's what you saw in the movies or that's what you think you're supposed to do. There's a lot better options out there for most people. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Like be clear of what you want and why you want that. What's gonna give you purpose? What's gonna give you meaning? Uh, Mark, Mark Manson speaks about that a lot in his book, The Salad of Not Giving a Fuck. It's like, make sure your goals are your goals. And that was a big epiphany for me. Like I realized that I'd been chasing goals my whole life to give me a sense of belonging or worthiness within myself. It wasn't because it's what I actually wanted. And that was probably when things significantly shifted for me when I started to get clear of well, what's, what's really important to me, what's really meaningful. And, and that's, that's kept evolving. Like it's very different now to what it was back then because back then I didn't necessarily have the money. I didn't necessarily have the time. So it's, I, think it's, I think it's relative too to where you are in your stage of business and life as well. But you know, rather than going from uh, being broke and having no money and going, oh, I'm going to build like a hundred million dollar company. It's like, okay, great. But for what purpose to get, to be able to pay your power bill that you can't currently pay? Like, how about you start with making a hundred thousand dollars a year or two hundred thousand dollars a year and then decide whether that hundred million dollars a year is still what you want to chase? Because often I see again, that that comes into being a sabotage and actually sabotages us from, from living a fulfilling and successful life because we try to chase something that's actually not in resonance with who we are or, or what our, what our heart's calling is as well. Um, Ray, let's, let's speak about uh, Podcast Hawk. I know we spoke about this briefly before we jumped online, which I think is amazing and certainly a service that we could use too. Um, so you touched on before, like this latest business you're working on right now. So you're working your 40, 50 hours, but that's not on the language business because it doesn't require your time, right? This is a new passion project mm -hmm. for you. Um, so how'd that come about? Yeah, so like all of the businesses I was talking about, it came about because I needed something and it didn't exist. So to promote some of my businesses, I've tried to appear on podcasts. 
pretty regular PR thing to do. So when I was starting out, I had, luckily had a network of friends. I was able to get on some podcasts. They recommended me on other ones. But eventually that ran out, right? You kind of reached the end of the network and, you know, I'd been on 30 or so and I wanted to appear on a few other ones. So let's go and find some podcasts. So I asked my assistant, go online, find some podcasts, get me the contact information. She spent a whole week on it. She got back and there was like a hundred podcasts on there for a whole week's worth of work. I mean, 40 hours. I'm like, that's how long it took. And it's like, yeah, it's a lot of work. I had to Google search. Then I had to go and find all of their contact information, see if they're still active, see if they do interviews, because not all podcasts are interviews, right? Um, and I, as a programmer, I sat down, I'm like, there's got to be a better way to do this than having somebody manually Google search and find all this information. We know all the podcasts that exist. You just go to, for the most part, go to iTunes, you know, unless it's like Joe Rogan, who's got like Spotify exclusives. Most people have their podcasts on iTunes. And they have a directory with 1.1 million podcasts. Of course, the practicality of going through 1.1 million podcasts and finding all their, all their you know, contact information, what they're about, whether they do interviews is not very practical for most people. So I'm like, I'll just write some code to do it. So I wrote some basic code just to create an MVP, a minimum viable product. So I got all 1.1 something million podcasts from iTunes, got their episodes and got the basic email, even though I'm finding that the email is hit or miss and I have staff now working on cleaning it. Um, and right now, instead of having to search for 40 hours to get on our podcast, it's the pretty user interface is not ready yet, but I have the database. So all I have to do is go in there and say, give me all the podcasts with the word travel in any of their episodes ever. Uh, make sure they've created an episode in the last 30 days. So I know they're active because there's podcasts that haven't had new episodes in years. Um, and give me their emails. And I mean, I just write a little script to do that. Hit enter. And in 30 seconds, I have hundreds of podcasts that I can reach out to. That is what podcast is going to do. Podcast Hawk is going to do for everybody else. It won't even be 30 seconds once I optimize the database. It'll be like milliseconds. You can go in there. You can type in whatever you're looking for, financial podcasts, all the rest of it. It'll tell you whether they're interviews, they're still active, give you all their contact information. It'll give you their ratings. Um, you can see how many you know, episodes they have because you don't want to get on a podcast that only has two episodes, right? You want to say, I want at least 30 episodes, 50 episodes. So they've been around for a year. Um, so it'll really help you fine tune and it'll just give you this information. You download it, you'll have the title, the description of the podcast when you're reaching out to them. So you'll know, okay, this podcast and the host name. So, hey, it's Barry's podcast. I know he talks about you know, business and freedom and you know, changing, game changing. And so you can actually personalize your outreach to them. Um, instead of just sending that generic, Hey, I was like, all of us have gotten, right. I was searching Google and I just stumbled across your podcast, right? I mean, that kind of generic like template we've all gotten a thousand times. You can personalize all of it and it will save you hundreds, if not thousands of hours, um, and give you free publicity, um, as a return, you know, you get on the right podcast that can change your business. Yeah. Yeah. We were both on, uh, we both guest speakers at we have podcast event here a month or so ago, six weeks ago. Uh, I still think the podcast is very much early adaption phase and the consumption Great. rate is going up more and more month on month, uh, huge opportunity and huge opportunity for you too, who again, this has found a problem in the marketplace for your own um, and is now working on fixing that. So if people want to find out about that podcasthawk.com, I'll get Rafi to put a link uh, below mm -hmm. in the chat so you guys can see that. Also to check out raise other business live lingo.com uh, if you want to learn a language as well, I'll put that in the post as well. Uh, and then also too, we'll put a link for uh, you to get a pre-release copy of my book, The Path to Freedom, 
So the nine steps to create a profitable, purpose-driven business that works without you, as, as I spoke about before, I really want to help to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. You know, I think there's never been a better time than now for people to be in their own business, and especially after what we've been through, to kind of take uh, take a bit more control into their own hands of their, their 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 future, their family's future, their family's financial future as well, and equally too, like you know, quality of life, being able to have weekends off and being able to have, you know knock off work early and take your kids to school and things like that. But in order to do that, you need to get business to a stage where it doesn't need you to be there every day uh, to do that. And this book will certainly provide that for for many many entrepreneurs that get it. It's the last 18 years of my life as an entrepreneur um, and working with thousands of business owners around the world to help them to achieve those same kind of results. So uh, I'd be blessed if you wanted to get a copy and uh, maybe not for you, maybe it's a gift for somebody else who you think needs to work less and maybe make a little bit more as well. Uh, Ray, I'd like to always finish on this question and that is that if you had uh, a conversation with a 10 year old version of you, what advice would you give him? Focus. Um, especially as a kid and even in my adult life, I used to bounce around a lot, even in the beginning when I was starting with my businesses, like we were talking about, you know, saying yes, saying no, we kind of touched on the, the subject, my business and the success in life, you know, not only in business, all of them have come when I kind of focused on something and worked specifically at that and didn't get distracted. I was really bad at as a kid. I spent way too much time playing computer games. Uh, so if I had focused a little bit more, I think I could get where I was where I am now a lot more quickly and hopefully passed it uh, much more quickly. So I would tell my 10 year old self, learn how to focus, you know, the whole marshmallow test that they always yeah. talk about in the psychology. Yeah. Practice. I would tell my 10 year old self practice that because you're really bad at it right now. Don't eat the marshmallow, wait two minutes and you'll get two marshmallows. Um, so I think that would be the most useful advice. I don't know if my 10 year old self would listen, but if they did, that would be really useful. It's, it's funny. You bring that up. The immediate, immediate memory that I had flashed to my mind is uh, when I was younger, I used to be, uh, quite charming and so whenever it came to to mum's birthday or dad's birthday or Christmas things I used to be able to charm my way to get things at a heavily discounted rate like we're talking toasters kettles beauty products and so forth and uh, I'll never forget one year I bought my mum for her birthday a box of those um, rose chocolates I'm not sure if you've <laughs> seen them before um, all different flavors and uh, shapes and sizes anyway I had them under my bed and one night I was like oh like, I reckon I could just open them up and have one. <laughs> and and, and mum wouldn't know about this. I don't even know if I've, I've, I've told her this story before. Anyway, so I opened them up um, carefully. I, I cut the little tag off. I ate one. Well, sure enough, uh, the day before her birthday, I went to wrap these things. And what was there was a box full of empty wrappers. And there was two, <laughs> there was two chocolates. Willpower. <laughs> and I was, I was, I was devastated. Like I was feeling so guilty with myself that I'd gone through that and I had no more money to buy her a present. I can't even remember. I think I wrote her a card, like a nice card or something at the time. And she found that that was quite sweet, but um, yeah, the marshmallow challenge. So focus. I've, I've since That's learned to focus, but I'm still terrible when it comes to chocolate. The nice side is your mom probably remembers that. She remembers that better than if that was a full box of chocolate, right? I mean, that's more of a memory that there was, it was an empty box of chocolate that you gave her, so. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Ray, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for everyone who's uh, joined us this morning, whether it be live or on the replay. Uh, please love your help to share more of these live streams with uh, entrepreneurs. I think that the more we can help them at this point in time, the better that we're gonna be. I honestly believe that entrepreneurs of the future of the country in the world, uh, that, that you know, we're not in a position that we can rely on the government to really make the decisions that we need right now to move us 
and our economy forward. And I think that entrepreneurs, honestly, I think we have that power uh, between us and collectively as well. So uh, please hit the like button. Let us know any follow-up questions. Uh, we'll send them through to Ray to get answers as well. Ray, thank you so much for joining us this morning, mate. Really appreciate uh, all that you shared. Barry, thanks for having me on. It was a blast. Most welcome. See you on the next one. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Game Changers podcast. Uh, there's a couple of things I'd love you to do to help us and help yourself to spread the message further. Uh, make sure that you like the Game Changers on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, please subscribe by clicking the link below to ensure that you keep up to date with the weekly episodes we uh, share here at the Game Changers podcast with amazing entrepreneurs and business owners around the world. And of course, like if you're in a position where you may be overwhelmed with business or looking for a way to grow faster and more effectively, and you realize that the key to success is being surrounded by amazing people who have been there and done that before, I'd like to invite you to apply to have a game plan session one-on-one -on -one with one of my team here at The Game Changers. There's no cost. If you get through, uh, all that we ask is that you are doing a minimum of $250,000 per year to really be able to utilize the strategies and the tactics and the mindset shifts that we share with you, uh, that you're coachable, that you're a decent person and you're, you know, you're willing to take on board some advice. If not, that's totally cool. Uh, but I know for me, I wouldn't be where I am right now without the support of so many mentors and coaches and resources along the way. And I'd like to pay that forward and give back to you the opportunity to work with uh, us one-on-one -on -one for free to put together a customized game plan. And the reason we're doing this is a couple of things. Number one is that sometimes it's just the smallest thing that can make the biggest difference. And uh, I think that entrepreneurs and business owners have the opportunity to change the world. And if we can maybe help you to, to make the smallest shift to change your life and your world, uh, you're changing ours in return. The second thing is that we are always looking for amazing clients to work with and to welcome into and invite into the Game Changers community. And so if at the end of the call, you do feel that there's a huge amount of value there, uh, that we fit, feel that there's a great value fit there, we can have a conversation about working together. But uh, this game plan call, there's absolutely no obligations to work with whatsoever. Allow us to help you with uh, the years and years and years of, of knowledge that we have in growing and scaling great companies. Companies. And uh, I think that uh, business owners are the future of the world. If there's a way that we can help you to create a better business, more profit, more fulfillment, more fun, I would love the opportunity to do that now. So click the link below, book your game plan session, make sure you follow us on social and start today with the latest episodes of the Game Changers podcast. My name's Barry William McGinnity. Thank you so much for your support and look forward to seeing the next one. Bye for now.